Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here back with another amazing episode of Amazing Business Radio. And I am so excited today because we have Cameron Mitchell who's going to talk to us about some amazing customer service experience ideas. Let me tell you a little bit about Cameron. This guy's a rock star. He's the founder and CEO of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. And if you have ever been in Ohio or some of the neighboring states, this guy has some of the most amazing restaurants you'll ever, ever eat at, enjoy, and just have a great experience. He has written a book, and uh, I may get this title wrong because I don't have it right in front of me. Where is it? But anyway, basically, the book is titled, Yes is the Answer, Now What's the Question? And if I got that wrong, Cameron, you can correct me. But You're hey, good. <laughs> he, we're good. And it's a great book, by the way. And just by virtue of the fact of just the title, you go, okay, is that possible? Could we live with yes always being the answer? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a whole lot more. Cameron, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Well, thanks, Shep. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, thanks. Somewhere in my cluttered desk here, there's uh, <laughs> some of my notes and your book. But hey, you, you have a great history and just a little background on yourself as a businessman. Uh, you have, what, about uh, how many restaurants now in your group? A uh, total of 60 across the country from uh, Beverly Hills to New York City. Okay. And, and I Wow. Yeah. And I thought you were primarily in that Ohio. Well, that's where I first, I was in Columbus. I ate at a couple of restaurants. And then right. I noticed uh, you had some in surrounding areas. But you're across country now, bigger than ever. Right. Well, and you're partially right, Shep. I've got 30 restaurants in Columbus, and then the other 30 are spread out around the country. <laughs> Columbus, not that big of a city, so no matter what direction. I wonder, do you have more restaurants in Columbus than Starbucks has Starbucks? You know, I've never uh, thought about that, but, you know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, you're known for your hospitality in these restaurants, but let's get a quick little background. You, you really started your first job, and it just seems so many restaurateurs – uh, that I have interviewed and met and uh, just actually hung out a little bit with Thomas Keller. And he told me uh -huh. his first job is the same as your first job. You were dishwashers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 39 years ago. So uh, as a junior in high school. So uh, next year I can uh, uh, hopefully speak with some authority because I've been in business for 40 years at that point. 40 years. That's amazing. So dishwasher, what did you learn as a dishwasher? Well, uh, I learned I didn't want to be open on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I, I, uh, I didn't want to work Super Bowl. I think it was like Super Bowl three, um, but uh, I didn't want to work, and they wanted me to work. Said so, uh, you got to come in, and so I brought my uh, TV in with me, and I put it on my tank, and I think we did twenty covers that night. And my tank never got uh, dirty or anything, and and it was just a waste of time. And and uh, today, all of our cameras restaurants are closed on Super Bowl Sunday. Because uh, there's just not a lot of business out there, and I want our people to be out having fun and uh, enjoying uh, their friends and family. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a story. I don't think I've ever shared it on the show. When I was about uh, 16 years old, I worked on a towboat. W worst job I ever had. Um, it's you know <laughs> up and down the Mississippi River from up near Joliet, Illinois, near Chicago, all the way down to New Orleans. And my hours were six hours on, six off, six on, six off for 30 straight days. And oh my goodness. yeah, I got off the boat after that first stint and you have 15 days off at that point before you go back on for another 30. 
and I'm home and my mom says, what did you learn? And I said, I don't know. She goes, you learn, you want to own the towboat. You don't want to work on the towboat. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> there were many That's other exactly lessons right. that I learned, but uh, I mean, as a dishwasher, you know, you, you, I mean, that's, that, that's the first entry level type of job, but it's, it's what it takes mm-hmm. as you're starting the restaurant business. All right. Let's. Yeah. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And by the way, how long did you wash dishes? Uh, a couple of years and, uh, I, I, you know, bus tables and like prep work and all that stuff, just high school work, you know, you over that time period. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. So you decide, uh, you want to go to, you want to go into the restaurant business. Crazy mm-hmm. ideas some might say, but obviously it's worked out for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What, at what age, uh, did you decide that? And by the way, I know from reading your book, you, you had a number of goals. You're very goal oriented. You and I have that right. comment. And you set out yeah. on a certain number of goals of which you achieved all of them mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there's a little bit of background story there, Shep. I graduated uh, in my class. My class rank was 592 out of 597, and I was uh, 1.05 GPA, and I was still class president. Uh, <laughs> but I, I barely got out of high school, and I, and I, you know, all the kids went off to college. I didn't want to go off to college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was just working at home, living with mom, working for beer money, working in restaurants, and as a cook, and. And I was I just turned 19. I'd just been in high school about a year and just kind of struggling. And uh, it was one day during shift change on a Friday afternoon, it was pandemonium in a restaurant. And I was kind of the laziest guy in the kitchen. I was just, you know, I wasn't motivated. I was just, you know, just wandering away. And um, and there was pandemonium in the kitchen during shift change. And I looked across the kitchen and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had an epiphany. I said, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. I love this business. So, I went home that night and wrote out my goals, and uh, I was going to go to the Culinary Institute of America and work my way up and eventually become president of a restaurant company by the time I was 35, and I woke my mom up at 1 in the morning and told her I know what I want to do the rest of my life, and, and literally went to work the next day, 180-degree turn. I went, uh, instead of working for the man on Friday, I was working for my career and future on Saturday, and I was a hardest working guy in the kitchen on Saturday and the laziest guy in the kitchen on Friday. And I had the lousy attitude on Friday and I had the best attitude uh, on Saturday. And my whole life uh, completely changed from that point forward. Wow. And there's a huge difference between working for someone else and working for the company or the career or whatever. I mean, uh, I've told the story. Zig Ziglar used to talk about uh, the railroad story you know, with the guy working on the railroad and the limousine pulls up and the president of the railroad company gets out and, and goes over to this guy and starts talking to him. The guy that worked, uh, you know, worked on the railroad, you know, actually fixing and repairing and walked away. And one of his colleagues said, wow, that was the president of the the railroad. How do you know him? He says, well, like 20 years ago, we came to work together and how come he's president and you're still working out here in the yard? He goes, well, <laughs> I came to work for the paycheck and he came to work for the company. And it's kind of the same thing. You before you're just doing your job, now you're working on something much bigger than that. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Yeah. Love that. All right, so let's talk about uh CIA, the Culinary Institute mm-hmm. of America. By the way, CIA, not the CIA. I like I'm <laughs> I was president of NSA, uh which was the National Speakers Association. Uh, I'm a, been a member for about 30 some odd years and, and uh, people go NSA. I go, we're not the ones that listen. We're the ones that talk. So right, right. <laughs> national speakers associate. Anyway, so CIA, uh, you, you tell us about your first restaurant after that. Well, I graduated uh, from the Culinary Institute and I became executive chef at 23 and general manager at 24 and 
uh, operations manager for a small restaurant group uh, at 26, uh, same company. We, we grew from one restaurant when I started to six by the time I left. And um, I was hitting my head on the ceiling there also and uh, getting frustrated. It was owned by a local, some local wealthy business people and it was a hip pocket business for them. And, and plus my boss, the operating partner, was a little bit of a micromanager. So I was really starting to hit my head on the ceiling. I went to a local restaurant uh, to meet a friend for a drink on a Friday night at 9 o'clock after I got off work. And, you know, the chef owner was working in the dining room and the place was packed and the dinner rush was over. And and time froze again. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, I'm going to start my own restaurant company. And that was May of 1992. And I left July 11th of 1992, a few weeks later, with a legal pad and a pen and my one-bedroom apartment, and uh, uh, started to work on Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. And during that company, it took me 14 months to open uh, uh, the first restaurant, uh, my first place I was working on for about six months or five months. The landlord went bankrupt, so I had to start all over again. And uh, it was oh, just a oh. long process, yeah. But the first thing I did... Uh, the first 30 days before I even started looking for a location was to write out our company culture and values and, you know, what kind of company I wanted to build. And then I've, uh, uh, then I started to, to, uh, that process and I want to build a restaurant company wrapped around a great culture and va- set of values. And, and I'm still doing that exact same thing 27 years later now. Right. Now I'm not sure I want to put the, the cart before the horse, but um, mm-hmm. you have the belief that guests do not come first. Your customers Correct. are not first. Your mm-hmm. associates, mm-hmm. the people that you work yep. with. Talk to me That's a little bit about one core that. value. You know, how did you come up with that? Well, I, you know, in my one bedroom report apartment in my <laughs> summertime of 92 in my shorts and t-shirt, uh, uh, reading a bunch of books and writing. And I had, uh, you know, papers all over, taped all over my walls of my apartment. And I was, you know, reflecting on my 12 years in the business at that point and, and what kind of company. And, and, you know, I wanted to build a company that was built for its people by its people. And, you know, and I, I read a book called The Customer Comes Second by Hal Rosenberg. Yep, in, great book. Uh, years ago. Yep. And uh, that really hit me hard. And it was kind of what I was already feeling. And, and I took pieces of parts of that and pieces of parts of all sorts of other things. And, and But created this uh, company, you know, where our associates come first. And so I look at it as a triangular relationship. And I... I say, it's not that I don't care about great hospitality. I, I don't care if someone's black, white, male, female, 80 or 80. I love to take care of people. So, But uh, I look at it as a triangular relationship. We take care of our people. Our people take care of our guests, and our guests then take care of our company. And, and that has worked out very, very well for us over the years. Uh, I've been asked the question thousands of times of how do you get such great people, and how do you always deliver such great service? And it all starts from the associate comes first and our people come first philosophy. Wow. Well, you know, there's another somewhat famous businessman who had that same philosophy, and that was Herb Kelleher. Oh, yeah. Asked, oh. You know, what's more important, the stockholders, <laughs> the uh, flight attendants and, the, and employees of the airline or the passenger? And he, he said, employees first, they take care of the passenger. Passengers, when they come back because they're happy, makes the stockholders happy. Yep. Yep. And Herb, I've, I've, I've read uh, Nuts Southwest Airlines multiple times. And quick story, I was on a Southwest plane out to Las Vegas with about 50 of our team members on the plane. And uh, one of our, our guys was in the last row, very uh, motion sickness, scared of flying, et cetera, just needed a glass of ice water. And the plane had just taken off. I went back and, you know, hey, I said, can I get this guy some ice water? And the server, the Sir, you have to wait your turn. I've got 140 guests to serve. Da, da, da. 
and I happened to be reading up on Herb's book, preparing for a presentation I was going to make at this conference. And so I marched back to my seat, grabbed Herb's book, marched back to the back of the plane. said, I don't think Herb Keller would like the response you just gave me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're looking at me like, who's this crazy guy? But uh, anybody knows I'm a little fired up about guest service. So I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> That's Funny. a great story. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about guest service. I want to talk to you about the chocolate milkshake story. I want to talk about the five questions that define your mm -hmm. culture. There's a lot more. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it, and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So, what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Cameron Mitchell of the Cameron Mitchell Restaurant Group uh, or Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. Lots of restaurants, 60 of them, and a great story. So the culture. People first. There were five questions that you, at the very, very young age, when you first started doing business, mm -hmm. this is what defined your culture. Let's talk about those mm -hmm. for a few yeah, minutes. Sure. Well, so we'll, we'll get into all of the, the five the five questions, which we call our five pillars of our, our company culture. And, and then we have eight core values. And that number one core value, as we just talked about, is the associate comes first. Then we have uh, the milkshake story, and yes is the answer. What's the question, which we'll get to at the end of the show here. But anyways, we talk about the five cultural pillars. I think there are five questions that uh, not only do you have to be able to answer uh, in a business, but also be able to answer with authority and conviction. So, uh, and I think they comply really to almost any any business, quite frankly. And and I'll just take you through them uh, one by one. So the first question uh, simply is. Uh, what do we want to be? I think any organization has to know what you want to be when you grow up, and we want to be an extraordinary restaurant company. It's very simple. Uh, by definition, it's the opposite of ordinary, and all these answers are very simple and easy uh, to put forward. And then uh, the second one is, you know, how do we define ourselves? And we define ourselves as great people delivering genuine hospitality. And again, easy to understand, great people. We all know great people in our life. Delivering means someone's receiving something uh, genuine from the heart and hospitality, treating guests like we treat guests in our own home, people in our own home. So uh, that's how we define ourselves. We're great people delivering genuine hospitality. The third question is, what is our mission? You know, I think any organization has to have a mission. Uh, and ours is very simple. Uh, and it's to thrive with both cultural and fiscal responsibility. But what does that really mean? That means it's a 51-49 relationship. I want to be a restaurant company that's around 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years long after I'm in a big restaurant in the sky. And the way to do that is by being a values-driven organization. So our number one goal is always to maintain our culture and values. And job number 1A right behind us to make a profit, make a damn good profit. We benchmark ourselves against all the publicly held restaurant companies every quarter. And 
Uh, we're essentially in the top, uh, usually in the upper 10 percentile, but certainly in the upper quartile of profitability of all publicly held restaurant companies. So, uh, and so it's very, but we'll never sacrifice, we'll never uh, sacrifice our culture and values for an extra buck. So we'll mm-hmm. leave a buck on the table. Uh, fourth question or uh, pillar is we have 5,000 associates, nearly 5,000 associates in the company today. And uh, uh, we all have different job descriptions, et cetera, but uh, we all have the same role, all 5,000 of us. And that is to make raving fans of the five groups of people we do business with, which first and foremost is your fellow associate, your guests, your purveyors, our partners in our community. And we believe that you have to belong to one of those five constituencies to have any interaction with Cameron Mitchell restaurants. If we make raving fans out of all five groups of those people, we'll make raving fans out of anybody we come in contact with with our company. So, so how is that phrased as a question? It's it's uh, is what is your role? Oh, what is so your role? Your role is yeah. What is your role? So we've so we've we've talked about you know to summarize real quick. We've got uh, you know what do we want to be? You know how do we define ourselves? What is our mission? What is your role? And then finally, the fifth question is what is our goal? So any business we have goals. Uh, we have daily, weekly, hourly, monthly, yearly goals. They come, they go. Um, and But there's one goal that stays the same, 24-7, 365. And that is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that does two things for our company. One, in order to be better at something today than you were yesterday and better at something tomorrow than you are today, you have to improve. You have to work at it. You have to get better. You have to change. You have to grow. So it creates a culture of change within our organization, and that we don't really accept the status quo. Status quo to me is the beginning of the death now. So we always want to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And then number two, that is our insurance policy. You know, I talk with people all the time, and we could talk for hours about how successful Caramitch Restaurants is. A little bit successful, a lot successful, it doesn't really matter. We'd all agree with a simple statement that Caramitch Restaurants is somewhat of a successful restaurant company. So by virtue of that alone, if we're better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today, by virtue of that alone, tomorrow we'll be more of a successful restaurant company than we are today. So that keeps us on that upward trajectory. So those are those five questions, and I... I they become the screen by which we do everything. I've, I've asked the questions thousands of times. What does that have to do with great people delivering genuine hospitality? What does that have to do with making raving fans of the five groups of people we do business with, et cetera? And so if you find yourself doing things that aren't in line with those five uh, questions, and those five pillars of our culture, then we know we're heading down the wrong track. So it becomes a screen by which we measure ourselves and, and measure our, activity, our activities by. And, and you wrote these questions out when you were just Mm -hmm. starting your first Mm -hmm. restaurant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How were you smarter? I mean, I realize you worked for a restaurant (laughs) company before that had, but damn. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know, Chef, to be honest with you. I'm just uh, so fortunate I did it because it defines us. It's it's, uh, a company culture and values is is, uh, helped, uh, I think the number one reason we're as successful as we are today. And so, but yeah, I've been very lucky. We have eight, you know, great core values on top of that, and and then we have, you know, finally, yes is the answer. What's the question? And and, uh, and that has been with us since day one. We had a milkshake story to that about nine years later, which we can get into. But uh, um, we talk about yes is the answer. What's the question? It doesn't mean yes you can carry a gun to work. Uh, yes, you can sexually harass your workmates. The answer to those are no, no, no. You cannot do that. So it's it, yes is the answer. What's the question is an attitude. If there's a way we can do it, we will. 
and uh, it's 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 a whole different mindset. People, generally speaking, I want to say no. It just naturally rolls. If they have to, yep. yes requires action. Requires you to do something. So, well, I'm um, glad we're getting into this because yes doesn't mean you say yes to somebody for any request that they have. Right. But it right. is, you know, what can I do that would give them that would make them happy? Because maybe you can't. Right. And I know we're going to, I don't want you to talk about the chocolate milkshake because that's your like defining symbol. And I love a good mm -hmm. chocolate milkshake. So we're <laughs> going to save that for the final segment of the show. But this, this whole concept of yes is the answer does not mean you simply can agree to everything because you can't. Right. So give me an example of a time that you absolutely had, well, you didn't say no, you could have said no, because to most it would seem like, well, we can't say yes, but what could you do in that situation? Give me an example. Well, a simple, uh, one of my favorites, I actually write about in the book, a, a guy is in town, a uh, father with his son at the hospital, leukemia at Children's Hospital, and he, his son wants orange chicken, and so he gets on the web, this is before delivery days and all that stuff, and, uh, and finds out uh, best Chinese food in Columbus, and Molly Wu's pops up our restaurant, so he calls Molly Wu's up and says, you know, uh, I tells the host that, you know, I've got a rear request, but I'm at Children's Hospital with my son treatment. He really like an orange chicken, uh, but I can't come pick it up. Is there any way you can deliver it to me? So <clears throat> she said, just a minute, comes back on the phone. Yep, we'll take care of that for you. Is there anything else you'd like, sir? You know why we're coming down? Well, sure. You know what room number you in, et cetera. Well, uh, turns out, you know, the, the sous chef uh, leaves work, uh, makes the orange chicken and a couple other items and brings it down to him. And uh, comes up to the room, gives it to him, and he says, well, how much are you? He said, well, nothing. You know, saying it's our, our, we're happy to do it, and we wish you and your son the best. But two things you didn't know is Molly Woods was on the northwest side of town about 25 miles away, 20 miles away, <clears throat> number one. And number two, we don't have orange chicken on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we're going to take care of this guy. Or, you know, uh, another quick story. I had a guy named Michael Honig uh, in for lunch at Denver, and he orders a bottle of Honig Savion Blanc, and the server says, well, I'm sorry, we're out. Uh, and and can, can I offer you another one? He makes another selection, and about five minutes later, the server comes back with a bottle of Honig Savion Blanc. And he says, well, you must have found one in the back. He says, no, I knew it was really important for you, and I, and I want to take care of you. And so I ran across the street. I called Capital Girl across the street. They had it, and I brought a bottle from them. Well, the server had no idea that was Michael Honig who makes Honig wines and has no idea he's a good friend of mine. <laughs> and uh, it's just a perfect example of, you know, it would have been very easy to say, yep, nope, we're out, sorry, what else can I get you? And it's just, I have hundreds and hundreds of stories like that uh, over the years, thousands probably that I don't even know of. You know, and it, it kind of is, I love it because it forces people to be creative. Uh, in one of my books, I talk about the old concept. It's not mine. It's one to say yes and two to say no where management or leadership empowers people, just say yes. If you don't think you can say yes or come up with a solution that's going to make the customer happy, then you can come and coach, ask permission of a manager, you know, and, and say, what can I do? But by doing that, you create this culture of an empowered organization, one of learning, because it's really great when somebody sits down at a team meeting and says, well, I was able to take care of a customer, had something that never happened before. And uh, mm -hmm. this is how we did it. And it just teaches everybody how to say yes or how to get, you know, to the customer being happy. And it's like there's a line in the sand. You want to teach people to get, you know, you don't necessarily want to cross over it because maybe there's mm -hmm. reasons you can't. But if you can get people to go as far as they possibly can, I mean, this is what we're talking about, getting creative. So love, love no, this. I totally agree. 
Yep. And it's not just yes for the customers, it's yes for your fellow associates, it's yes to our community, it's yes to, you know, our purveyors. I mean, it's it's uh, everything uh, that we, you know, yes to our partners. So we it's that pervasive attitude across the entire spectrum. Love it, love it. All right, we're going to take a short break. We come back, we're going to hear all about the chocolate milkshake, and this is something you're not going to want to miss. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating. And we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more. So the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We are back talking with Cameron Mitchell, and I promised everybody they would hear the milkshake story. And this is kind of a defining story. And by the way, you talked about Molly Woo's. Uh, Molly is your wife. I don't know who. That's right. Maybe she wooed you or you wooed her to marry you. I don't know, but. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, wooed her. So let's, let's talk. And I, I, I can't, if I'm, I'm remember when I'm trying to read, but I think Molly may have had something to do with the chocolate milkshake story. There was she involvement. Did. Did. There were children yeah. involved. Yes. Yes. So I was uh, local. I want to go to a local restaurant on a Saturday afternoon. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law and, and my, Molly and my two boys they were two and four at the time. And then I have a little girl now too, but uh um, and she didn't want to go to this restaurant because they don't take care of kids, but I wanted to see this dish, and I could be fairly persuasive if I want, and uh, and long and behold, here we were at this restaurant, and, and I ordered uh, a, a, cheese, a grilled cheese for my son, and the server says, well, I'm sorry, we don't take grilled cheese. I said, okay. Pulled five easy pieces, Jack Nicholson. I said, can I, I have a this thing? one, yeah. <laughs> the turkey, ham, lettuce, tomato, middle slice of bread, bacon, mayo, and if you could just saute what's left on a pan on both sides, it'd be great. So I get my grilled cheese, and I said, you know, I'd like a chocolate shake for my four-year-old son, my, a small chocolate shake. She says, ooh, uh, boy, we don't have that on the menu either. I said, well, we just go ask your manager if, you know, uh, you can make it. Uh, and she, she goes over and asks the manager. Manager shakes her head no. She comes back, I'm sorry, we can't do it. It's a big Haagen-Dazs, 32-ounce ice cream milkshake. It's way too big for your son. We just can't do a small little chocolate shake. I said, will you ask your manager to come over and see me? My wife starts kicking me under the table. Don't do this. And I go, no, I'm not going to make a scene. I just want to know why. So she comes over and she says, I'm sorry, we can't do it um, because we were pre-portioned the ice cream. And if we gave a little bit to you and your, for your son for a cho- chocolate milkshake, we, how would we be able to account for the rest? And I said, well, I said, okay. I said, well, can you make a chocolate milk for me? And she says, uh, yes, I'd love to do that. So now she's a great people delivering genuine hospitality, right? And turns to go make my chocolate milk and I said well hold on a sec here on your menu at a warm carrot cake and a warm chocolate brownie dessert it said a la mode 295 I go what does a la mode mean so that's a scoop of ice cream I said great well can I have an order of a la mode to go with that chocolate milk if you whip <laughs> a blender for me that'd be great <laughs> she turns to me and says okay sir that'll be expensive chastised me right there at the table my wife's fuming she said we're never never coming back here again etc so anyways that was it two weeks later I'm a keynote speaker at the higher Regency down here in Columbus, uh, 500 people for our local business magazine, their fast 50 luncheon they have every year and talking about caramel restaurants and the answer is yes. What's the question or yes is the answer. What's the question. And, and I said, I read this story, how it wouldn't happen in our company. And 
about two weeks after that, a gal comes up to me on the street and says, hey, uh, my husband saw you speak at the Hyatt and went into one of your restaurants, went into the bar and tried to order a chocolate milkshake. And the bartender said, no, we don't do chocolate milkshakes here. It's like she punched me right there in the street, you know, in the middle of the street. Metaphorically punched you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm uh, I'm uh, chicken little, you know, the sky's always falling. I'm an entrepreneur, you know, and uh, I come rolling into our Monday morning leadership meeting and I am fired up like, uh, you know, uh, something is categorically wrong here. What are our people? It's not penetrating our culture. Yes is the answer. What's the question? We, we got to do something about this. So we said, uh, you know, and that's been our culture since day one. So I said, uh, we, we created, we came with started brainstorming. We said, well, let's make the milkshake our icon of hospital. Okay, great. Uh, we created Flow, a big server, the beaming smile with a milkshake on the tray. Let's do that. Well, let's make uh, a milkshake toast to people above and beyond the Call of Duty Awards at, at weekly pit stop meetings. Yeah, that's a great idea. So we'll give everybody a milkshake. Let's, we do milkshake pins for years of service. Yeah, that's awesome. We can even do a video and tell an orientation. All uh, people come to start a camera restaurants, go through orientation for four hours about the company culture and values before they start their training. Well, let's do a video. We start telling this whole story. That's great. That's, but, you know, it's just not enough. And so finally we said, uh, you know, we got a great idea. Let's make everybody a chocolate milkshake on the first day at orientation when they started Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So and let's take it a step further. We, we uh, now uh, make thousands and thousands of chocolate milkshakes across the company. We celebrate every meeting. We start with a milkshake toast. Every uh, uh conference we have every president's round table uh we have vip guests in the office whatever we do uh and we literally make thousands so i joke about our chocolate milkshake bill is very expensive here in the company but it uh permeates the organization today you know that yes is the answer what's the question and that chocolate milkshake has become that symbol of that of that question and that great people deliver genuine hospitality and uh, it's on everything we do it's on all of our manuals i mean you name it so I love it. It's so easy. It's a callback. It's this, and I use the right word. I was going to say it's a symbol. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I believe in a customer focused culture, the first step to making that culture work is to define the culture. And I talk about the mantra. um, And that is the one sentence that defines you. Our, our mutual friend, John DeJulius calls it. um, Oh gosh. It's a, it's like a statement. Um, Mm-hmm. But it's it's just one simple sentence. And, my, you know, my favorite, the Ritz-Carlton, nine words long, we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. But what you when you can put a picture to it or a symbol to it, and it's really easy. And plus, when the symbol is something as delicious as a chocolate milkshake, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's powerful. So uh, oh, we have them all the time. So people, they feel that word no starting to roll off their tongue. You know, they stop immediately and realize, you know, yes is the answer. What's the question? And, and then we make it happen. And there's just countless, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of stories out there. Yeah, love it, love it. All right, we are basically out of time. And I know I could talk to you forever. And, and at the break, you mentioned that you would uh, possibly come back for a part two sometime down the road. Mm-hmm. And I hope that's More the case. Thank you. What's that one thing you want to share with us as we leave today? It can be something you want to reiterate or something new and fresh. What would that be? Well, uh, obviously, I'd like to say yes is the answer. What's the question? Um, but, uh, you know, it's all about the people, you know, a people first uh, mentality, a people first organization. 
when you put your people first, the results are going to be spectacular. And, and that's what I would leave you with. You know what? I think that's great advice. And you know what? We said it several times throughout the uh, show today. And you know what? It's worth saying again and again. Our people are first. And if we do it right with our people, they'll take care of our customers. And our customers mm-hmm. will take care of all of us. Thanks so much, Cameron, for being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. It was an amazing show, and I really appreciate you. I can't wait to come to Columbus or anywhere between Beverly Hills and the East Coast and sample some of that delicious food at one of the Cameron Mitchell restaurants. Well, thank you, Chef. It's been my pleasure. All right, everybody, that's it. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We'll be back next week with another amazing interview. So until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.